The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined alongside my co-host, Aaron Murray. And Aaron, it's week zero. Forget how dumb of a name that is. College football (laughs) is back. I know you've been talking about it every day. Everybody has been talking about it. Just waiting for the action to begin. We'll wait no longer. Saturday night, college football, the 2019 season is here and you have to follow along on our social media pages at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron is at Aaron Murray eleven and I am at Drew Butler thirteen. We have some really exciting stuff going on with our social media pages. Aaron, most notably, we have our first intern. We actually have an intern. The Punt and Pass podcast is growing. We are now a team of three. Shout out to our intern, Christina Thomas. That's right. Christina is a senior at Georgia. She's in the Grady School of Journalism. She is taking over our social media pages. So follow along because now she's in charge of doing giveaways. She's in charge of picking out what content we put on the show as far as some fan interactions. So follow, follow, follow. Interact with her, and we will continue to have a lot of fun. So, Christina, we are thrilled to have you on board. Thanks so much for your help. I mentioned it in the show open, Aaron. Week zero, probably the dumbest name I've ever heard for anything. I don't know why we're calling it that. Call it opening weekend. Call it I'm, anything. I'm, I'm, I'm happy you actually agree with me on this one because okay, every good. every show I've done on Sirius, whether it's ESPNU or the SEC channel – Everyone loves this week zero, and I, I'm the same thing. Like it's it's not week zero. This is week one. Yes. And if you don't want to call it week one, opening then let's weekend. come up with something else. Opening weekend's perfect. That yeah. that that to me is the perfect solution because Zeke week zero just honestly it makes no sense to me. So let's let's clean it up a little bit. There there are more creative minds in college football than to name something week zero when technically it's not week zero. It's it's week one. But it is. Let's let's clean it up a little bit. It is. So I'm. I'm I'm glad you are. You and I actually agree on something to start the year. This is going to be very few moments we'll see throughout the season that you and I are actually on the same page. So at least, <laughs> at least we're starting off strong, Drew. We're starting, starting off, off strong. Starting yes. off on a good foot, and the podcast is starting off strong as well. I just mentioned Christina is our intern, but we have an unbelievable guest this week. We got him finally. Coach Rick, Coach Mark Rick, joins the podcast in the middle of this episode. We talk about the ACC Network, which he is now a college football analyst on. It launches today, August the 22nd, with their big first game next Thursday. 
Thursday night, Clemson versus Georgia Tech. We talked about Miami, his former school, Manny Diaz, taking over for him. They're playing Florida this weekend. We're going to talk about that. We asked him about the transfer portal. We asked him about the college football playoff. He told some funny stories from our days at Georgia as well, so shout out to Coach Rick. I know everybody will really enjoy that interview. After that interview, we're going to break down this weekend's games, tell you what we're gambling on, tell you how to make money like we always do on punt, pass, and pick. But for right now, let's dive straight in to this opening weekend podcast, punt and pass edition with some storylines. Aaron, the big thing this week is everybody has been naming their starting QBs and it's kind of been a windfall. I mean, some expected, some not so expected. Again, remember, the majority of teams are playing next weekend. Opening weekend is Florida against Miami, and then the late game is Arizona against Hawaii. But whenever you pulled up Twitter, whenever you looked at social media, another quarterback was being named a starter, a QB1. And before we get into it, I just have to shout out Cole Kubelik, who you've worked with before, Aaron, yes. on SEC Radio He had an unbelievable tweet. And just hang with me here for a second because you need to wrap your head around this tweet. He said, college football quarterbacking, where? Now buckle up. Number one's former starter is starting at Mizzou. Number two's former starter is starting at number four. Number three has a former starter at number 13, and their former backup is starting at number five. Number six's starter played at number five. And number seven starter was previously the starter at Ole Miss. Think about that. Think about how crazy that is. And we'll break them down real quick. Number one's former starter, Clemson. Clemson's former starter is Kelly Bryant. He's now at Missouri. Number two's former starter is starting at number four. That's Jalen Hurts. He was at Alabama a year ago. Now he's the starter at number four, Oklahoma. Number three, the Georgia Bulldogs. They have a former starter at number 13. That's, of course, Jacob Eason at Washington. And their former backup is starting at number five. That's Justin Fields at Ohio State. Number six is starter played at number five. Joe Burrow at LSU transferred from Ohio State. And the number seven starter previously was the starter at Ole Miss. That's, of course, Shea Patterson at Michigan. The scenery of college football is this so is, different from what it was this when is you this is worse than the NFL. I mean, this is free. Agent. You don't see this much movement from the NFL when it comes to quarterbacks. And now we're seeing it in, in, in college football. And listen, I understand to some degree. I understand if you're a freshman and say you lose your job to another freshman or you're a sophomore or junior and you lose your job to a freshman like yeah. Kelly Bryant, you're not going to get it back. Plain and simple. You lose your job to someone younger than you. You need to figure out and move on. My issue is when you get a freshman who decides to leave after one year and, and doesn't fight it out. And, and we'll talk to coach Rick about this as well. I think he has similar viewpoints. What happened to a guy wanting or willing to sit for two or three years and learn and develop. I think these quarterbacks nowadays coming out of high school are just pumped up from rivals, from ESPN, from ES, I mean, from all the all American games to Dilfer and all these other camps that they go to. Yeah. And they think that they're ready to go day one to play college football. There are very few high school quarterbacks that can step on campus and start day one. Very few. It is a very tough thing to do. I don't even know if I could have done it. I, I I enjoyed my redshirt year. I thought it was beneficial. Yes. I think most guys would agree that, hey, I took that year to learn the offense, to develop my body, to learn what it is to be a college quarterback, to see the stadiums, how loud, how crazy it is. It was a great year for me. So what is wrong 
with sitting for two years? What is wrong for redshirting and sitting for another two years and starting for two years, your junior and senior year? Yeah. Why are kids in such a rush to play right now? I don't understand. Sit back, develop, learn the offense, and then when it's your time to shine, go out there, ball out, knowing that you know the offense like the back of your hand. You know your receivers. You know what it is like to be in an opposing stadium because you've been on the road as a backup and have seen it. And and you know how to game plan. You know do, you know how to do all the little things instead of just getting thrown into the fire. And and, I, and my belief is the same thing for the NFL too. Why do you feel like a, just because a kid's a first round draft pick, does he need to go out there and start year one? You know, look at Aaron Rodgers. I think it's a great yeah, example. It's a great I think Daniel Jones sit his butt in New York, let him learn from Eli for a couple of years. And then put him out there as well. And I think that Washington's going to do the same thing with Dwayne Haskins. Let him sit for a year or two. So college football, you young quarterbacks coming in there, relax. You're not, not everyone's Trevor Lawrence. You don't have to be sit back, learn, and be appreciative if you get two years to start. I think just you make a fantastic point. You would know better than anyone. And, and you just mentioned it when you were wrapping up. Uh, what you were saying, not only uh, during Saturdays against opposing teams in away stadiums, but going back to the game plan, the preparation, understanding what it takes to implement what you're doing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and making it show up on Saturday. Coach Rick brings up a great point about you and how well prepared you were. But speaking to that point and thinking of the quarterbacks that were named starter, one person that fits that bill is Jacob Eason, right? He got injured. He lost his job to Jake Fromm. Hey, I started here a year ago. I'm not going to win this job back. Let me transfer to Washington, back where I'm from. He's from Seattle. Let me sit out a year, understand what the program's all about, work with the offensive coordinator, get to know the head coach and the skill players around him, and then earn a starting position, which he has done heading into 2019. So I think he's in a great position to succeed another player. Again, to one of your points, you said there are very few High school athletes who can come in and start year one. Auburn just named their quarterback, Aaron Bo Nix, a five-star dual-threat quarterback. He has dreamed about being Auburn's starting quarterback since he was in elementary school, and that dream has come to fruition. Gus Malzahn named him the starter. He's going to start week one for Auburn. I think it's the first true freshman starting quarterback week one, and I can't remember how long, like 1958 Mm -hmm. or something crazy like that, but he's got all the raw talent. Hopefully Gus Malzahn can create a game plan for him that will really work him into the season. Well, Gus has put a lot on this kid. I mean, you talk about coming in week one and you're not playing a cupcake game. You're playing Oregon and this Oregon's offense can score, can score some points. I know Auburn defensively is stout, great front line, uh, probably the best defensive line in the country. Great back end linebackers are a question mark, but Oregon offensively, they're going to score. So now you're asking a true freshman quarterback that, has probably played in front of maybe 7,000 people, 10,000 people. So all of a sudden you're going to be playing in prime time the game of the week because there's not a lot of good games week one. So all eyes are going to be on Oregon versus Auburn. Prime time in a gigantic stadium, 90,000, 100,000 people, and you're expecting him to go out there and perform. It's just – it's a tall task for a freshman quarterback. But luckily for them, like we talked about and like I just said, defensively Auburn should be good. The offensive line should be improved from last year. You had all the starters back. You saw improvement throughout the season, better run game, better pass protection. You got some good running backs. You got some good skill on the outside. So 
luckily you're not asking this kid like, Hey, by the way, we have a crappy defense that's going to give up 40 points. <laughs> oh, and we don't have an offensive line or running backs. No, you have all that at Auburn. So yeah. the game plan will be tailored to, to kind of ease Bo Nix in there a little bit. Not a lot on his plate, a lot of RPOs. You're going to see some zone reads, very simple reads just to get him going a little bit. And hopefully the defense can create some turnovers can create some good field position where he's not having to drive 80 plus yards every single time he touches the football, but don't count out Joey Gatewood though. I think Joey's going to find a way into this ball game. Okay. Third down situations, red down situations. He's six, five, 240 pounds. You know, that that's, that's a recipe for success on any third and short, any kind of red zone, uh, plus five territory. So you're going to see him mixed in throughout the game, I believe, but Regardless, tall task for a freshman quarterback and and for Gus on the hot seat this year, he needs it's to get at least move. yeah, eight, nine wins is, is what he needs to be able to keep his job for next season to trust a freshman quarterback. This kid must be pretty darn special if he's going to risk his, his, his coaching career at Auburn on it. All right. So out of all the starting quarterbacks that were named this past week, give me the one you're most interested in watching or that you think has the best chance at success. I told you I'm looking at Jacob Easton out on the West Coast. Tell me who you're looking forward to seeing the most. Uh, I think we're going to keep it SEC. Tommy Stevens at Mississippi State. He, he knows the offense. He's been around it. He understands the checks, the reads. He's a good athlete, good arm. So I'm interested to see what he can do because that offense was so one-dimensional last year with yeah. Nick Fitzgerald. I mean, they, they could not pass the football, and we saw how it hurt that team. I mean, teams would load the box, seven, eight guys, which is now what you want if you're going to try to run the football, and just said, hey, screw it. I dare you to throw one-on-one on the outside. We don't think Nick can get it done. And, and obviously he showed he could not get it done at a high enough level. So now comes in Penn State transfer Tommy Stevens, who has a better arm, is a great athlete. So we'll see. He, he knows the system. He should be able to execute it. So I'm interested to see what he can do on a team that has lost a ton of dudes on defense. They're going to be real rebuilding on that side of the football. Uh, so offensively, they're going to have to step it up a little bit compared to last season. A lot of these guys are going to have to step it up. This is a fluid storyline. We're going to keep tabs on it all season long. Kelly Bryant, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, Joe Burrow, Shea Patterson, Austin Kendall, Bo Nix, Tommy Stevens, all over the place, starting quarterbacks that we will watch after on punt and pass. Okay, going back to week zero and how dumb it is, let's discuss what college game day is going to be like on Saturday, right? So college game day is going to be in Orlando, the site of Florida against Miami, but they're not going to be at the stadium where they usually are. They're going to be at Walt Disney World, which is conveniently who owns ESPN. Look, I get it. You got to do what you got to do. When the boss man says do XYZ, you got to do XYZ. But the contingencies here, and I saw this on a Twitter feed at CFB Home, Go follow those guys. They're fantastic. College football home discussed what the rules were for Disney World if you're going to go and be present during college game day. Aaron, first things first, it costs $109 minimum to get in. No signs, no flags, no, no signs. whistles. Nothing. Have you they, can't have they, have not, have they not watched college game day before? And see Where is like, the Washington State the, flag going to be? The, the signs. Oh. That's been there every time for like oh, 30 years. Yeah, they, had a great, they had a great piece on that last year about the wazoo. Yeah. So this just adds to the idiocy of what week zero is for <sighs> me. I mean, of course I'm going to watch it. I'd be lying to you if I said I it's, wasn't going to tune in. 
it's going to be a history of college football, plain and simple, gotcha. 150 years. It's gotcha. a special season. It's actually the longest season, uh, the amount of days the season's going to last in Good. college football history. We deserve so that. So for all those who are craving football, you're going to get it, and you're going to get a lot of it. But it's, it's going to be a rewind. They're going to be talking about the best games of all time, the best teams of all time, the best quarterbacks, running backs, defensive players, all that because, I mean, honestly, there's, there's two games that day. I mean, there's a yeah. couple other games, but no one really cares about them. There's two main games. Yes. And you can't have a whole show talking about those two games. And, and you're not going to do – too much of a preview into next week's games because you got to wait for that next Saturday to do that. So it's going to be a, fu- I think it's going to be a fun show. And then you're going to have Lee Corso running around with Mickey and Minnie. Plain <laughs> and simple. He's going to be on rides with Mickey oh, and Minnie wait. having a blast. So you're going to get a mix of shenanigans and like I said, rewind of the past 150 years. Well, the biggest shenanigan of, of all will be if the Washington state flag is not present. It's got to be there. It has to continue the streak that it's on. So I'll be tuning in just for that you know and probably go play some golf. You know what the good thing is? What's that? It's week zero. So if the flag doesn't make it, it technically didn't make a week. That's so it doesn't right. really matter. Zero is not a number. That is correct. Zero is, not a number. zero is not a number. One more thing that I have to mention. We said it in the show open and Coach Rick is about to talk about it. The ACC Network launches tonight. That's right. Thursday, August 22nd, the ACC Network. It gets on your dial. It'll be right there next to the SEC Network, next to the Big Ten Network. And they really kick off next Thursday night with Georgia Tech at Clemson. But as I'm watching ESPN, as I'm watching SEC Network, Aaron, getting fired up for football season, like, yes, it's finally here. I have to deal with these ACC Network promos during the commercial breaks. And they roll through all the schools in the ACC. And I'm like, okay, okay, yep, get it, get it. And then Notre Dame flashes on my screen, and I literally want to throw my cell phone at the TV screen because it doesn't make sense, right? Let's get down to the bones it does, here. First off, it does make sense because this is not a football uh, TV station. This is an ACC TV station. So Notre Dame is, in certain sports, affiliated with the ACC. And even with football, they have a semi-ACC schedule. So – you're just thinking it from a football perspective. Well, but if, overall, if, if the ACC network is, makes if the ACC network makes any money without football content, then have them call me because they're the most brilliant. They can people still in the world. use it. They can still use it because they're in other sports. So okay, so you, I thought about this. Though, simmer down over there, and I'm sitting here going, "This can't make sense." Because obviously, if you want to create revenue, you're going to have football content, and Notre Dame gets to partake in the ACC network profit share. Yet they don't have to play in the ACC championship game for football. This goes back to my point that clearly football content will drive the revenue for the network. I thought to myself, okay, I'm missing something here. This is crazy. So I went online last night, and I'm like researching it to make sure that my rant cannot be debunked by saying, hey, DB, you're an idiot. Read the fine print. No, no, no. The commissioner of the ACC says we love having Notre Dame on the network. They bring us great brand of awareness. They, they play do. five ACC games a year. Their ACC schedule this year, total joke. But the matter of fact is this. They get to share in the profit share, which is a joke. They don't have to play in the ACC championship game, which is a joke because, as we all know now, conference championship weekend is becoming, if not the most important weekend of the college football season in regards to the college football playoff. This is the point. Notre Dame gets to play by a different set of rules. It's been that way. It'll continue to be that way. Look, I know life isn't fair, but this is something that I'll stand up for. And if you agree with me, holler at us on social media at Punt and Pass because I'm carrying this stake 
throughout the entire 2019 Listen, season. I, I agree. They do play by a different set of rules, but so does Alabama. And at the end of the season, there are scenarios and you could, you could make a case for this that two sec teams make it into the playoffs. I yeah. think it's a huge possibility, but not just Alabama, Georgia, you could see Alabama LSU in this. Really? Think two about out this. of the West. Think of this right okay. here. Just, just because someone CBS, one of the reporters put this up today and it's actually a really good thought. Say LSU goes 11 and one and they lose to Alabama by seven points. Say Georgia slips up one game this year, they lose. Then they go in the SEC championship game. They lose that they're 11 and two yeah. LSU's 11 and one yeah. and two SEC teams deserve based on what's going on. In the PAC 12, big 12, big 10, whatever's going on. Those tools don't have a team that's either undefeated or one loss. You can then see two teams from the West getting in. So are you then saying the SEC plays by a different set of rules because they're getting two teams in a team that didn't play in the SEC championship game? Because there's two scenarios that legitimately could happen this year where the loser of the SEC championship game and a team that doesn't go to the SEC championship game gets into the playoffs. Yeah, Alabama did it two years ago. I mean, I Alabama know. So does why are you it, bitching but, about but, but Notre I th- Dame? I think it's because of this. At the end of the season, there's four to five SEC teams in the top ten. I mean, they are huh? clearly the better conference of college football. I'm still with – I think season. Notre Dame deserved to be in it last year. They did enough for yes, me. and they were enough. Yes, of course. Yes, plain and simple. Of course. I just would have liked to see them play yes. Clemson in the ACC championship game. I, I agree with you. I, I I think everyone would rather see them in the ACC. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you can turn on the football tape. Yes. And you can, you can tell because we've played football – and you can tell who's a good football team and who's not a good football team. Yep. And last year between Notre Dame and Ohio State and watching Ohio State all season, Notre Dame deserved to be in there over Ohio State. They plain did. and simple. They did. I'll agree with yes. that. I will agree with that. And um, so, I just, so, uh, my blood will continue like, like, to boil as Notre like, Dame continues on the ACC network. I mean, even their home games are on NBC. I mean, you see what yeah. I'm saying? It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, like, like, like the head of the committee says, they're not picking the conference champion. They're picking the four best teams in the Correct. U.S. So, Correct. you know, if it was, hey, we're going to pick the four best conference champions, then Notre yes. Dame better figure their crap out. But I'll right agree. now, they're the four best team. And last year, they were the fourth best team. Listen, don't worry about it. Georgia will mop them up week four in so Athens. Too. Yeah, I think so, too. And then we won't have to worry about Notre Dame. And then we can just <laughs> move on. So I don't have to hear you bitch and moan for the next <laughs> What is how many how many weeks after that? Eight we, or nine weeks after that. You so. will you will be hearing plenty of bitching and moaning. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. And I have one more thing right here before we get to the Coach Rick interview. This may surprise you, but I'm gonna stick up for Georgia Tech here. All right. You're reading about immediate eligibility for players all over the country, a la Justin Fields at Ohio State, Tate Martell down at Miami, even though it didn't work out for him. But then I'm seeing some headlines about something going on at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech got denied three separate eligibility waivers for transfers that they had come into their program when Jeff Collins took over this offseason. To me, this is a bit fishy. It seems pretty convenient for the NCAA, Aaron, to deny these guys. I'm doing air quotes when I say deny these guys because, look, they have legitimate waiver claims just like the other guys that were freely granted immediate eligibility. What's funny here is this. It seems like the NCAA, when they know they've got big names who will make headlines, a la Justin Fields and Tate Martell, they say, yeah, go do your thing. Hopefully you do really well. Ohio State plays well. And then to kind of level the situation at the end of the year, they just look down the list and say, hey, Georgia Tech, three guys, one's from Florida, one's from Miami. I think one is from Washington maybe. I forget the third school. They just say – 
no, no, denied eligibility, even the playing field, because they know Georgia Tech's not going to be that good this year with a new first-year head coach and a complete overhaul of the program. So I'm sticking up for Georgia Tech here. I think it's bullshit. I mean, these guys have a reason to file for eligibility. The whole whole thing is – It's a joke. It's it's, it's not black and white. That's the issue. I mean, Tate Martell, that's the the biggest joke, that he was mentally stressed – from the coaching change. And that's why he deserves to be able to play immediately. I mean, your coach coached you all last year. It's not like you're getting a brand new head coach. First off. Yeah. Uh, day coached you for the first three games, of head coach, you were there three and oh, was your guy the entire season. So that's nonsense, plain and simple. That was a bunch of BS. The whole thing allowing him to play his first year. And, and, and listen, it's like golf. If you cheat in golf, the ball doesn't lie. You're probably going to shank your next shot. <laughs> the ball doesn't lie, Tate. You yeah. didn't get the starting job, and now you're going to have to move to a receiver. That's what you get for trying to cheat the system. The whole thing, is it, it's just not clear. Who gets a waiver? Who doesn't get a waiver? Honestly, for how crazy Jim Harbaugh is, I don't hate his idea of, hey, if this is the way it's going to go and this is a problem, let these kids have one ability to transfer. One year, you get the transfer and you get to play immediately. Then after that, no matter what, wherever you transfer, you have to sit out a year unless yeah. you're a grad transfer. It's heading that way. I think that it's just it's it's annoying to me when you look at certain people like why, like you said, why does he who has a better reason not get it compared to a Tate Martell whose reason was idiotic in my Total opinion? Joke. The fact that they got it that's a complete joke. So either make it that everyone gets a free go. Or go back to the old way. Unless you're a grad transfer, you can't go play the next year. Plain and simple, totally. you got to sit out of here. No exceptions to anything. You just got to say, hey, it's either all in or all out. There's no in between. And I think they need to make a decision by next year. Yeah, I hope they do. And, and we asked Coach Rick about that. And I think he kind of brings up a fantastic point as well. So with that being said, Aaron, let's welcome in our guest for opening weekend of punt and pass the one the only one of our favorite guys in the world coach mark rick all right aaron we are welcoming in a very very special guest on the punt and pass podcast a guy that means a lot to the both of us means a lot to a lot of people in the state of georgia and really all across the country he is the one he is the only coach mark rick joining the punt and pass podcast coach rick how are you thanks so much for being here with us today I'm honored to be with you guys, uh, hanging out with a couple former players and two that were great at what they did. Makes it even more fun. So thanks for inviting me. Coach, let's jump right into it. How has the transition been into the booth? I guess on the booth, you're going to be in studio this year for the new ACC network with EJ Manuel, a bunch of other guys. You enjoying it so far? Have you guys got a couple shows in? Yeah, we've been taping some stuff. I'm in Bristol right now, Bristol, Connecticut. When I say Bristol, some people think Bristol, Tennessee, so you, <laughs> you got to help them out sometimes, but uh, especially in the South. But anyway, uh, we've been uh, getting ready for the launch of the ACC Network, which is tonight. And I think tonight's show is going to be just kind of introducing the people that will be involved, a lot of the talent in the studio, talent uh, on the in the booth, as you say. And then, uh, you know, a lot of sports are going to be covered just besides football, basketball as well so it's going to be a 24 7 network and um you know looking forward to it uh you know you mentioned ej Manuel. he's uh one of the guys we have we have a show called the huddle so it's myself ej Manuel, eric mclean who's a lineman from clemson and he's feeling real good right now about his boys 
<laughs> and then uh, Jack Collinsworth, who's uh, Chris Collinsworth's son. I think the guy's like 24 years old, but he's the host, and uh, he does a great job. So, um, so far, we've got good chemistry, and, you know, no one takes themselves, themselves too seriously. I think we're, we're enjoying being on a team. Coach, that's awesome. I think it'll be an easy transition for you. Everybody obviously is going to respect what you have to say about the game, and especially within the ACC conference, which you played in, which you coached in for a while before Georgia, and then obviously wrapped up your career as the head coach of Miami. You were 33 years into your coaching tenure, uh, 15 years as the head coach of Georgia. Obviously, Aaron and I both played for you, wrapped it up at your alma mater, Miami. How's that transition been with the family? Aaron's married now. I've been married for five years, and we know that the wives are the most important ones. So how's Miss Catherine taking it? Uh, she loves it. We're having a good time. You know, we, you know, if this gig stays the way it is, um, from January to about July, I'm not doing a whole lot of anything. Uh, and then, you know, football season kicks off. For the most part, I'll be doing a Friday show to our uh, – preview of what's going to happen on Saturday and then all day in the studio uh, on Saturday, previewing games, being there at halftime between games, all that good stuff. So uh, it's not going to be, it's, I mean, it's a different, obviously it's a different pace of life. I mean, it was about 365 days a year, you know, sleeping four to six hours and just grinding, you know, enjoying the grind, but it, it, it could take a toll on you. And uh, I'm just, enjoying being revived and spending a lot of time with Catherine. Coach, starting those those January months, can we find you in, uh, say, Atlanta or Athens? I know I believe you, your son, our boy Fred Munsonmeyer are opening up, and correct me if I'm wrong, a couple D1 programs here, I think in the Buford area, uh, come next spring. Yeah, D1 uh, sports training facilities, they originated out of Tennessee and Nashville area. Uh, Will, Bar- Will Bartholomew was a was a fullback at Tennessee, and he's kind of the founder of it. But uh, there's actually going to be one opening in Buford. It's not the one we're opening up. Uh, it's uh, some uh, friends that we've gotten to know through the business. But um, there's, we're actually going to open one up in Athens area, and uh, we're also going to open one up somewhere around Norcross. So uh, we're in the process of finding the right spot for that. And as soon as they do, uh, you know, Fred, as you mentioned, Fred Munsonmeyer, uh, my son John, and myself are going to be partners in this thing. So we're looking forward to it. That's awesome. That's right in my neck of the woods. So if you need some help, feel free to holler at me. I actually ran into no, Coach Rick. I actually ran into Coach Rick Darren at the Delta Sky Club in Atlanta, and I saw him and Miss Catherine. Yeah. We sat down and talked for a little bit. And you look great, man. You looked revived. You look energized, ready for the season <laughs> to start. And I think – all of our yeah. listeners are most certainly ready for this season to start as well. And week no zero is this weekend, and there's a little ACC-SEC matchup coming up on Saturday night in Orlando, Florida. That, of course, is the Florida Gators against your former school, the Miami Hurricanes. So I know you guys are going to be breaking it down a bunch on the ACC network, followed up with your right. big launch game next week, Clemson and Georgia Tech. What are your initial thoughts? This is a team that you coached just a year ago, and I don't see much turnover from a coaching standpoint because Manny Diaz was your right. defensive coordinator, and I'm sure you think very highly of him. Well, I do. I think he's a great fit for Miami, and I, I think Miami's a great fit for him. You know, sometimes that's as big a part of the, having success as a head coach as anything is just 
you know, understanding the place. And uh, he grew up a Miami fan. His dad was a mayor of Miami at one time. And, and uh, you know, he, he kind of gets South Florida recruiting. Uh, you know, he's the inventor of the turnover chain, which is, you know, changes every year. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they got in mind uh, for the chain this year. The, the Cuban link stays the same, but there'll be some kind of medallion on that thing that'll be fun to watch. But, uh, you know, I think, one thing that happened for Manny, maybe the biggest thing that happened for me, for him in recruiting was the linebackers stayed. The, the, the you know Shaq Quarterman, uh, Mike Pink, Pinkney, Zach McLeod, those guys all came as true freshmen together. They all started as freshmen. They're going into their fourth season. They were all draft eligible, could have left, had good resumes in football, but they decided to stay because they believed in Coach Diaz. So I think that was a great start for him and. You know, obviously, if you have a great defense, you've got a chance. Coach, it's been fun watching the, I guess, carousel or roller coaster of a ride for the quarterbacks at Miami. Tate Martell comes in. Everyone thinks it's going to be his job. And then all of a sudden, this guy named Jaron Williams is a starting quarterback. Uh, what are your thoughts? Because you saw him last year. I know not in right. a lot of game action, but in the spring, in the summer, and throughout the season – what can we expect from him uh, when he faces Todd Grantham in the Florida defense this weekend? Well, it's hard to say what's going to happen, you know, week one. I mean, just imagine if that was your first start, you know, Aaron. Mm. It's the first game of the year. It's the only game on TV. It's it's playing a top-ten team and a great defense, and it's, it's your first shot out of the cannon. So I don't know if that's going to be a good gauge, but I can tell you this about him. Uh, he's a very accurate passer. That's kind of always been my number one criteria. Can you can you hit your target? Even if he's not throwing the right guy, he hits what he throws at. And, uh, you know, can you make decisions is number two for me. And obviously he's doing well enough for the coaches to make him the starter as far as understanding what they want to do. And that's, you know, decisions within the, season, within the system, but also when things break down, you know, what kind of decision you make when the left tackle gets wet feet, you know. And then the third thing is, can you handle the pressure of the job? And and that's one thing I thought you did great, Aaron, was you you prepared so well that when the game came, it just there weren't many things new coming at you. And uh, and, and I think if Jaron can become that kind of student of the game, his focus will be in the right place, and he'll he'll be able to handle the pressure of that job by just taking care of his business. So we'll see what happens. I know in time he's going to be really good. You know, will it be great game one? It's hard to say. Even good quarterbacks have a tough time against good defenses. Yeah, there's no doubt he got named the starting quarterback at Miami for a reason. I think, obviously, him and Dan Enos probably have a really good rapport, the new offensive coordinator at Miami. Right. And, Coach Rick, you would know better than anybody else. You're talking about the first game. You're talking about the pressures of a first start going up against Todd Grantham, who's going to be really aggressive. I would expect Coach Enos to develop a game plan, a first 15-play script to hopefully get the run game going, take some of the pressure off Jaron Williams, and then open it up as the game progresses and maybe a slow start happens, but you build his confidence that way. So I think this is going to be a close game. Aaron and I have talked about it a little bit heading into this week's podcast to really give our prediction. We're obviously going to come to you for that prediction, but... Look, Manny Diaz's defenses and the defenses that you coached with them have been top 10 the past three years. They get after the quarterback. 
I think he will bring a ton of pressure on Felipe Franks. Florida's busting in four new offensive linemen. It'll be a neutral field site in Orlando. I just think this one's going to be down to the wire. I think there's going to be a lot of jitters with that first game. I wouldn't expect a ton of points in the first half. Miami's getting seven and a half points. I love the points here, and I think at the end of Saturday, Miami has a legitimate shot to win this game. Do you think I'm way off base on that prediction? No, I'm I'm with you. I think it's 13-13 late in the game, and Bubba backs a knocks a 47-yard field goal to win it with the with the clock running out. Miami wins. Uh, I, I think it's going to be like you say, real close game. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. Uh, you know, there'll be some plays that are made offensively, and but I think they're going to have trouble getting it in the end zone when they get down close. And you know, kickers are going to be a, play a big part of this thing. Now, Drew, you got to know the have you done any studying on the punter for Miami yet? Yeah, so it's not Zach Fiegel's this year. They've got a new punter, right. and um, I could tell you his name here in a second when I look at my Phil Steele handbook. Yeah. <laughs> Lewis uh, Headley, Headley, Lewis Headley's yeah, the punter. Louis, Louis, Louis Headley. He's he's a kid from, I guess it's Australia. I don't know where he's from. But, there you go. Uh, New Aussie punters all over the place. He is uh, an amazing kid. And he's not a kid. He's probably in his mid twenties right now. Oh, is that but, the kid um, who looks like he's forty years old with all the tattoos? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. he's all better <laughs> But if, if you talk to him, he's the most polite gentleman you ever talk to. He looks a little. You know, a little scary, but he's a great guy. He actually owned a tattoo parlor at one time, <laughs> and I think he worked on oil, oil rigs at one time. So he'll, so, he'll fit. He'll fit right into Miami then. He, he's yeah, meant exactly. for the UFC in Miami. <laughs> he can boom it though. So you're and, telling uh, me, you're telling me, looks wise, he's about the polar opposite of what I looked like back in 2007 when you recruited me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so could I tell a story on you real quick? Yes. Yes, please. All right, well, you know how we had our exit meetings at the end of the spring, and we would always talk about goals and all that kind of thing. Do you remember your goals that first year? I do. It was a joke, and I had forgot to erase it and put a new goal in. Um, and uh, you saw it, and you called me out in a team meeting, and uh, fortunately I had a pretty successful year that next yeah, year. Did. But you, you can he tell said, everybody what I wrote down. Get, he said he wanted to get buffed and get a nice suntan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's and still I, his goal to this day, Coach. It hasn't yeah, changed much I, in I, I failed 12 years. <laughs> but then he, then he won the, the right guy the next year, so what can you say? Oh, that's <laughs> too great. Yeah, good memories. Good memories. I'm glad you were lenient with me on that one. But, um, yeah, that's as Aaron said, that's still my goal today is to get buff and tan, and it's, yeah, a, it's, yeah. a, it's a battle. It's an uphill battle. He's paler than ever and has a dad bod, so he's he's uphill battle right now for true. Started age fifty nine. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, coach, man, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions before we let you go. Right. So much has been talked about, and especially even at a school like Florida, who's playing this weekend. What is going on with the transfer portal in the NCAA? It's insane. It seems like free agency is alive and well in college football. And unfortunately, there's zero consistency on behalf of the NCAA. And I think everybody's right. just expected that at this point. It's a really muddy situation. I just don't see how it's going to get cleaned up anytime soon. Well, the muddiest part is when guys put their name in the portal, the coach can, and a lot of them are saying, see you later. All right. So they're kind of testing the water, so to speak. Then the coach says, see you later. 
then they end up with not enough. There's not enough scholarships left around the country. Some team may want a kid, but they may be full, you know, so there's not enough scholarships to give these kids once they decide they want to jump in the thing. Now you'll hear the success stories of a guy going from one place to the next, getting that, you know, eligible immediately and all that kind of stuff. Well, you can look at Tate Martell, you know, going to Miami, he's thinking I'm uh, immediately eligible. I'm going to win this job. Well, he didn't win the job. Well, now I think he's, I think he's a big enough man to say, okay, I'm going to play a little receiver or whatever you might want to do. I don't, I've heard rumors, but, um, you know, uh, you know, he probably thought the grass was greener and maybe, maybe it wasn't. So uh, I think guys got to be careful. And here's the thing too. You, there's something to growing up. There's something to fighting through adversity. There's something to becoming, you know, developing your character as a man and as a leader uh, that if you run every time you feel some type of pressure, then you're not going to grow. And uh, I'm, I worry about that with a lot of these guys. Coach, Coach, you've seen a lot of football and, and have coached this for a long time and played it. Is it good for the game of college football that right now in August we can say that the national champion is going to be one of three or four teams? Is that a good thing for this league that say, like, hey, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, maybe Oklahoma, or maybe Michigan, Ohio State, so five possibly, and that's about it. Is that good for the game? Well, you, everybody can say what they want to preseason. We'll see what happens at the end. Uh, you know, I, I think you got to predict somebody – and there's a lot of good reasons to predict those teams, obviously the track record and how they've been recruiting. And, you know, that's the thing about college ball compared to the NFL is in the NFL, you can only have so many first round draft picks in college. You can have 30 first round draft picks, <laughs> you know, from freshman through senior. I mean, you, you can have as many teams, as many great players as you can stack up in there. You know, there's a, you know, the NFL, they got the draft and they got the salary caps to try to keep things somewhat equal uh, and, and where everybody's got a shot. But So once a team gets rolling like a Clemson was as of late, it's hard to slow down that train. And uh, But there'll be some people that will rise up because, you know, a lot of competitive fans, a lot of competitive coaches, administrators, uh, you know, boosters, people want to win. And they're going to do what it takes to get it done hopefully within the rules and uh, there'll be other teams that'll sprout up. Yeah. There's no question about that. I mean, we can all look at the schedule, but you can never predict who's going to have that kind of unbelievable season, much like y'all did two years ago, coach Rick, when Miami jumped up to number one in the nation um, after a quick undefeated start. So you just never know. It's always fun to watch though. Do you think the college football playoff and we'll let you go here in a bit. Do you think the college football playoff is ever going to expand to eight teams? Because I think, you know, the four team situation now draws a ton of conversation, draws a ton of fodder but at the end of the day it's not a broken system i don't see why they would expand to eight teams i'd love your thoughts on that well the question at first was will it ever happen you know that was a long time so you know it it may uh is it the best thing you know i'm not i'm not saying it is i think if you have eight you can simply say five conference champions and then three at large, make sure one of them is, is a non-power five. I mean, everybody could probably say, oh, that'd be great. But what you got to be careful of is the regular season. There's no regular season more important in any sport in America than college football. And if you expand to eight or 16 games or teams, 
you know, you could lose a game or two and say, ah, oh, yeah, we'll get you in the playoffs, you know. It, it's it, You just got to be careful of what happens in your regular season. And I think you got to be careful how many games you play with college kids. And I think you also have to realize that um, if you play all those many games, the bowl games, uh, you're talking about guys opting out of playing in bowl games, you may have – the bowl system may collapse. So uh, I don't think that's good for college football either. Well, I'm glad you're on board with that. I think college football is in a really great place, maybe outside of the transfer portal, what we just talked about, but it's going to be in an even better place with the launch of the ACC network and you being back on TV and in and involved with football. I know all of our listeners are thrilled to watch you break down games and give us your analysis week in and week out on the ACC network, which launches today, August 22nd and your big launch Game is next week, primetime Thursday night, Georgia Tech at Clemson. So we will definitely be tuned into that, and we will definitely right. keep in touch with you. I know you mean so yeah. much to Aaron and I, and um, tell the family hello, and thank you so much for joining in the podcast. I'll do it. You guys do the same, and God bless. Awesome interview with Coach Rick. Thanks so much for him to make some time to join us. Guy's busy now, Aaron, working ACC Network, look, they're up in Bristol, Connecticut. It's not like he's in Charlotte or down somewhere in Florida. He is a road warrior now in his new career. Great to hear from him. He sounds like he's going to have a lot of fun this season. Yeah, he does. I mean, it's it's a, it's a transition. Let me tell you, moving from playing or coaching into the booth, but you know, he gets to stay involved with the game that he loves that's been a part of his life forever. The only advice, and I forgot to tell him this, he better pack a coat because Bristol. Oh, my God. Bristol ain't fun in the winter, Coach. It's a bit different from Miami. Yes, a little different from Miami and even Georgia. So he'll be fine. He'll be in studio hanging out with EJ and all the ACC guys, and uh, I'm sure he'll do a great job. I think it's going to be a great network. I'm fired up to watch that show that he mentioned called The Huddle and then see what their coverage is like week in and week out with games and uh, weekly content. I'm fired up and happy for him and guys like EJ and Eric McLean, which will be fun to watch. But he said it, man. He broke down the Miami versus Florida game that's coming up on Saturday night only the way he could. The guy was the head coach there less than nine months ago, which is pretty unbelievable to think of. But you and I now have to do our job. Let's break down these two games this week, and I think we're probably going to go a bit more in-depth with the first one. That, of course, is Miami versus Florida. This game's at 7 p.m. Saturday night at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida. And Aaron, we talked about it a week ago, but since then, Florida has been bet up to a seven and a half point favorite, and the over/under has been bet up as well to forty-seven points. You and I need to have a discussion because, like we kind of just found out in that interview with Coach Rick, we're on opposite sides here. The more I do research on this game, the more I like Miami. I don't know if they'll win, but boy, they have a shot. They have a shot. Aaron, tell me what you think. So you're telling me a a first-year head coach in Manny Diaz? Yes. And a freshman quarterback, yes, Richard Jaron freshman. Williams, yes. Richard freshman, who's who's had three attempts, yes. three attempts, yes, three, correct. And that starts. I'm talking about attempts in his entire career in college football. Correct. Is going against Todd Grantham and the Florida defense, and let me name you some of the cornerbacks: Marco Wilson, C.J. Henderson, probably of the the best tandems in college football. They're probably number two or three or top three tandems of cornerbacks. And then you talk about how complex. Grantham's defense is. I mean, he is licking his chops saying, I am about to confuse the crap out of this little freshman. I mean, shoot, 
I was a junior in practice and Grantham would put some stuff out there. I'm like, where are these dudes coming from? What coverage are they in? How's he doing that blitz and still playing cover two behind it? I just don't get it. Like he can scheme you up. And now year two with all these athletes at Florida and the talent at cornerback where you can play man to man coverage. I think Williams is in for a long night at Miami. I don't see Miami. I don't see Miami being able to score a lot of points. I see Florida getting great field position. I see Felipe Franks taking a step forward. Great receivers on the outside for Florida. I mean, you got guys like Van Jefferson, Hammond, Grimes, Swain, Tony. I mean, they are loaded at the receiving position. A great running back. And people want to talk about the offensive line and the losing guys. Yes, they lost a bunch of guys. They lost four guys. But they also have recruited and have guys that stepped up and are ready to and go. And they're super thin at offensive line as well. Yeah, but what are you expecting? Four guys to get hurt night one? I mean, they're all healthy right now. That's all that matters. We're not saying that they've, the three starters are hurt. They've had time in spring and fall camp to start the gel. Are they going to be perfect? No. But I trust Florida's offensive line over a freshman quarterback in Miami going against Todd Grantham's defense. Plain and simple, I think they can get it done. Plus, I think Dan Mullen understands that, hey – Maybe I can't have Felipe Franks holding the ball for four or five seconds in the pocket. I need some quick hitters, get the ball in my receiver's hands in space, and let them do their thing. So I like Florida. Give me the points. Right now I'm taking it. Call the bookie. Let's go. You're laying the points. I'm laying the points. And I'm going under, though. I I don't see Miami scoring a bunch of points. I don't see Miami scoring. I see this game being 24 to 13 or 24 to 10 at the end of the day you can't you can't tell me you can feel confident that williams is going to go out there and dominate this football game no but i have confidence in dan enos dan enos is miami's new offensive coordinator he came from alabama and i have a lot of confidence in manny diaz because you said first year head coach yes but he's been the defensive coordinator there for the past three seasons coach rick just told you this guy lives and breathes miami football not a big turnover on the coaching staff from coach rick to manny diaz and wake up aaron they've had a top 10 defense for the last three years they have three senior linebackers returning three guys that were nfl eligible just a year ago led by shaq quarterman who's a three-time all acc player here's what's going to happen it's going to go under this is going to go under this whole Enos thing at OC, yes, he's a good OC. I could go coach Alabama right now with yes, those players, so can and, I. and I could be a damn good OC. So <laughs> let's not say, oh, he was at Alabama, and look what they did. They had the best receivers, quarterback, running back, and offense line in the country. They had the second-best offense behind Clemson. Anyone who knows football could call that offense and succeed. And anyone so who knows football can watch Felipe not, Franks and say, this dude's going to struggle in no, week one. And here's what's no, going to happen. No, no. Did you not watch the end of the season? And have, oh. you not, have, you, have you not watched? After he got benched what, against Missouri? What, have you not watched what Dan Mullen has done with quarterbacks his entire career? What makes you think that Dan Mullen, who has produced some of the best quarterbacks They don't have an offensive seen, line. What makes you think that he can't take Felipe to that next level his year, his they, year two? They I don't I, have I an offensive line. In, than I do Felipe. I have a lot of faith in Felipe, but Dan Mullen has proven that he knows what to do with quarterbacks, plain and simple. He has proven, and I am worried about Felipe not having a gelled or experienced offensive line in front of him because here's what's going to happen. You said you like the under, so do I. This game is going to be low scoring. It's going to start out sloppy. This is the first game of the year. Two really good defenses, right? It's going to be a field position battle like you just mentioned, but Manny Diaz is going to draw up some pressures. He's going to get after 
Felipe Franks, and it's going to come down to punting. It's going to come down to special teams. There's it's no doubt about turnovers, it. Plain and simple. Yeah. Williams will commit turnovers. And so will Felipe Franks. He's done it all his career. Okay, listen, you listen. put the money down. Oh, I'm put putting it down. There's no doubt. I'm taking the seven and a half points. I think okay. this is going to be a really good game. And I think, as you know, Florida started slow a year ago. They got schlacked by Kentucky in week two. Look, Miami obviously got off to a hot start after they were beaten down by LSU. But one thing is consistent. They have a really good defense. I think Coach Enos is going to work Jaron Williams into this game, Aaron. Run the ball, develop the run game, really understand what he knows Coach Grantham's going to bring his way, and then bring it down to field position and special teams play in the if fourth you're, quarter. If you're going to run the ball and get a bunch of three and outs, that ain't helping anyone. And then your defense is going to get pissed off at the end of the day. So, <laughs> hey. I can't wait. I, I'm not going to convince you. You have your, your thoughts. I have mine. And uh, chop, chop. Let's go Gators. Hey, there you say. You say let's go Gators. I'll say go Canes. Just give me the seven and a half points. I'm fine if Florida wins. But they're going to win by three or four points if they do. And if not, Miami is going to squeak one away. Think about this. though. The last time Florida lost a season opener, it was at a neutral site back in 2017 when they got schlacked by Michigan. That was in Dallas, Texas. So we're in that same situation again. It happened to Miami a year ago against LSU. So this is a good game. This is a good game for opening weekend to start. We're on opposite sides here on the spread, but we're both going under 47. I have a feeling you and I will be texting a lot this weekend when that game is going on. And then to cap it all off, we got a little late night way out west. Arizona's going to Hawaii. This game kicks off at 10.30 p.m. in Aloha Stadium. That, of course, is in Honolulu. Arizona is an 11-point favorite on the road, and get this, Aaron, the over-under has been bet all the way up to 74. Two teams that can put points on the board. Arizona is led by Khalil Tate, and Hawaii is returning a lot of starters. The Fighting Rainbows hoping to kind of build on what wasn't the best year in 2018. Nick Rolovich, head coach for Hawaii, is... One of my favorite coaches in all of college football. He's fun. He's creative. That that because you've done a couple uh, of their games. Yeah, I've done a couple of their games. Their offense, the run and shoot is awesome. I mean, what they did last year with Cole McDonald at quarterback, the kid can fling it. And, and and I think this is an offensive game, completely different than the first game that we just talked about with Florida Miami. I mean, you look at Hawaii; they can pass the heck out of the ball. Cole McDonald, tremendous quarterback, had a bunch of touchdowns last season. Arizona could not figure out how to stop someone through the air last year. So Hawaii should put up points and they're playing at home. And then you look at Khalil Tate and, and, and he was hurt last year. We're talking about a quarterback two years ago that ran for, I think 1400 yards last season was yeah. about 300, but he admitted he's like, listen, I won the run, but physically I could not run. I was banged up so much that I couldn't take off. So he's healthy and he's going against a Hawaii team, flip it over that can't stop the run at all. So you have two quarterbacks that specialize in what the defense can't stop. I think this game is going to be fun. I think it's going to be exciting. It's at Hawaii, so give me the points for Hawaii. I think so, too. And give me the over. I don't see any team. Like, I've covered Hawaii these past couple years about three or four times, and they haven't stopped anyone. I mean, they can't stop anyone. Arizona couldn't stop anyone last year. I think this is going to be a – first of all, it's going to be about a five-hour football game because it's going to be a lot of scoring (laughs) – but it's going to be a fun game to watch. If you can stay up till 1030 uh, when this golf ball kicks off uh, 1030 Eastern, you should step and watch it because it's going to be completely different than the first game that night. And um, but like I said, I got I got Hawaii and uh, I got them squeaking one out. 
I like that as well. I'll go over with you. My, uh, excuse me, Hawaii was eight and six a year ago. That had snapped a losing season streak since 2010. So they've got some pretty good momentum heading into this season and uh, returning nine starters both on offense and defense. So I'm going to roll with Hawaii. Give me the points. I don't know who's going to win the game, but hopefully, like you said, Khalil Tate is healthy. So we have some fireworks, and they squeak 74 and a half points so we can cash those tickets. But stay up late for that one because we are going to be living and dying with college football on Saturday. And then we're back here, baby. week one Dude, you got me all excited week. there. Yeah, yeah, we're just doing started, it. And, uh, I just Monday, started banging on the table. My dog's like, what the crap are you doing <laughs> over there? And on Monday's podcast, when we recap what happened this weekend, one of us is going to have amazing bragging rights to start off the season. I have a feeling it's going to be me. There's no doubt about it. Of course it. you do. Of, of course, course you do. How about, how about loser takes the other person into their course? Huh? Okay. How about that? Deal. 100%. Still, wait, still, wait for all those, still waiting on Drew to take me to his course. 100% Just unreal. deal. So we're off. We're rolling. Big thanks to Coach Rick for joining us. Again, follow us on social media at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. Hat tip to Christina, our new intern. Follow Aaron at Aaron Murray 11 and I am at Drew Butler 13. Have an awesome opening weekend of college football, and we will see you right back here on Monday. See you.